Friday, and um, I don't know. That's issues with Andy Day, I guess. That's that's what I'm told. Uh, I'm wondering, wondering how good news would be delivered on that front. If you're not a follower, issues with Andy podcast comes out every Friday around noonish Eastern time, but could be a little bit later depending on. The undisciplined crew <laughs> getting stuff up on uh, whatever, wherever they put it up, YouTube and some whoever their host is. Uh, but Andy uh, is a uh, friend and I'm uh, somebody I'm a fan of and uh, been hoping to hear some good news about his health condition for a couple of weeks. And I'm just wondering how it will be delivered, whether he will, because I follow him on Twitter and uh, most of most of you people, I should say most of you, most of you people who drive, uh, who join me for the live part of this show uh, in the mornings also follow him. Just wondering how he's going to, when the good news that I'm expecting will be delivered, how it will be delivered. Well, he just tweeted out, hey, I don't have the big C, or, um, or wait for that podcast and make us all kind of sit and wait, which is not cool. Come on. If you get good news, share it. Should come on today, Andy. If you're out there listening, good morning, people. Uh, Andy, if you're out there listening, uh, call in today and say, share the good news because I know there is good news. I know there is. I'm confident in that. Crazy shit going on in the world as usual. Bruce Springsteen, you a fan of Bruce Springsteen? Yeah, I tell you, I like Born to Run. Uh, the album Born to Run, not necessarily the song. Well, the song's not bad. Uh, but other than that, you know, Rosalita, I guess. There's a couple of songs but that I've been, you know, fans of of, of Springsteen. But here, here's the thing, man. $500 million, half a billion dollars for the voice of the working man. How many fucking working men do you know that have half a billion dollars cash for one check? On top of all the other money he's made over the last 45 years uh, from all the record sales and all the touring. You know, nobody owes anybody anything. He made the money. It's his money. But if he was truly a man of the work, a voice of the working man, Woody Guthrie, heir to the Woody Guthrie. By the way, Woody Guthrie was a fucking communist. He would not approve of, of, of a billionaire songwriter. But if Bruce was really a voice of the working man, he'd use that money to create working man jobs that are good jobs, you know, uh, benefits and all that kind of stuff. If he was really the man he claims to be with his political stance, 
he would use that money. What's he going to fucking do? He's got no kids that I know of. He's going to sit on it until he dies and let it pass to his uh, his wife. And I'm not telling him what he, what he has to do. I mean, it's his money. He earned it. It's, he has the right to do whatever he wants to do. But if he was truly who he claims to be, he'd do the right thing. And that is to use that money to create good paying jobs with lots of benefits and uh, and not wasteful, not job, just jobs to create, you know, make work jobs. But he, you know, get together with some and solve some real problems. If he's the guy who he claims to be, but he's not the guy he claims to be. He's a fucking greedy son of a bitch songwriter cashed in on uh, on a good deal. He's a fucking long, long fucking con man, basically what he is. And uh, I, I will believe that until I see him do something positive with that money, something that aligns with the, with the talk. Walk the walk, talk the talk. And when you talk about authority and authenticity going hand in hand. And here's a guy who uh, people buy as authentic. He puts the out, act out as authentic. And uh, if you're a Bruce fan, I'm not bashing his music, so don't, don't argue with me about how good whatever song is because there are some good songs. I said that right from the start. Um, and as a musician, he's, he's, he's good. As a guitar player, he's a good, good guitar player. Uh, and underestimated as a vocalist, in my uh, opinion, he's got um, pretty strong range, or used to have a stronger range. He used to hit some pretty high notes, even though you know people compared him to Bob Dylan early on in his career because he his articulation was kind of, you know, yeah. Hey, there's a meeting with a man on the other side. Um, Ranger had a homecoming. <laughs> It's early. I'm not doing my Springsteen shit in the morning. Um, just a phony. Just a phony. Now, yesterday on Twitter, somebody said, um, a fan, obviously, I can't believe he sold his, his uh, catalog for only $500 million. You're saying that's ultra. Only $500 million? How much do you have in the bank <laughs> that you can say, only $500 million. Springsteen, uh, Dylan sold his catalog, I believe, for $350 million. Uh, it might have been even earlier this year or last year. And then Paul Simon sold his catalog for like $400 million. I think Carol King is in that group now, too. She sold a catalog, but I'm not sure she reached those numbers, even though, in my view... Uh, she's definitely as good a songwriter, uh, and her catalog is more impressive. Her overall catalog of everything she's written, uh, going back to the 1950s or late 1950s, really impressive pop stuff. More significant than I hate to say it, but even because Dylan is the the voice of the folk generation, most of his most of his stuff, uh, his songwriting, it was in that folk genre. Carol King's a pop person, and uh, none of the Paul Simon was pop, so he could—he's definitely um, there. But Carol King, man, 
her catalog is is incredible, and she didn't get enough money. That's the old, the old unfair thing, hey, men and women. Plus, she a lot of her songs were co-written with Jeffrey Guffin, but still, uh, incredible catalog. Anyway, that's the Bruce stuff. But somebody's just saying five, only five hundred million dollars. Like, come on. <laughs> you know what? Do you realize that half a billion dollars? You, what you can do with that money? The positive change you can make in the world with half a billion dollars. I have to say good morning to everybody in the in the chat rooms. Good morning, uh, Craig and Kelly and Carl and Ken and Chad and and Chad Craig and Craig Chad. <laughs> um, yesterday. I had a coaching call, a business coaching call. No, I did not sign up for this thing. It was offered to me as somebody who was on my daytime show. Well, I was pretty impressed with the, the overall program. She she offered me a complimentary uh, business coaching call. And then, you know, it's like almost like when a Jehovah knocks on your door and me feeling... I have to let them in. <laughs> now, why? I don't. I'm nervous going into a coaching call, a business coaching call. And I have to tell you, it is. Uh, she says it's not. But I can tell you from my perspective, it is like psychotherapy. <laughs> and I don't want psychotherapy. I don't want to know what a fucked up asshole I am. I have a. a Good sense of it, which is why I don't want to know. I have a, I have certain inclinations about what a jackass, jerk-off, dick-face asshole I am. Just a really rotten son of a bitch. And why make me look inside and, and be honest with myself about all the rotten things I've done and who I am and, and my shortcomings and weaknesses and lack of moral character and all, all that stuff i don't want to know that if i did i would be in psychotherapy but i'm not in psychotherapy because i want to die a happy man <laughs> i want to be i want to die in denial of what a jackass i am <laughs> but that is not in the cards for me obviously so i go through this business coaching call and it's to me uh i'll be honest with you there were there's a couple of times when i shed a tear because <laughs> he asked me about <laughs> She asked me about my favorite pet, and I uh, definitely wasn't expecting the answer she got, though, you know, about, because it's trying to, what are your favorite qualities of that favorite pet? And, uh, and she was expecting me to be talking about a dog or a cat, and I was talking about a pig, Rufus. There was a time uh, in my life where I had, a, I lived with a woman who, uh, was uh, very promiscuous, <laughs> and I called her pig. And now she got, <laughs> and not like Carl's a pig. Carl is a pig, but not, uh, I guess like Carl's a pig, but in a feminine way, a pig, not masculine pig like Carl. Carl's a boar, and I don't mean boar b o r e. I mean boar b o a r. But uh. She is a, uh, a, what do they call it? Uh, I can't remember now. A sow? Yeah, sow. Uh, anyway, so 
So I called her Peggy, and we that was her nickname. So um, one Christmas, had no gift ideas at all. Well, I thought, you know, I've gone through the paper, somebody's selling piglets, mini pigs. And this is before people knew there were no such things as mini pigs. I said, well, that'd be cool. Get pig a pig. <laughs> so uh, I met up with uh, the, the piglet salesperson and uh, took the pigs away from the mother way, way too soon. Rufus, uh, was, he could fit in the palm of my hand. I mean, really small pig. I put him in my pocket. He was chirping away. Uh, and I said, how the hell am I going to feed him? He said, well, get a baby bottle. Like, I don't have any fucking baby bottles. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> look at me. Do I look like a guy who's got baby bottles? So I go to CVS to buy baby bottles, and the pig is squealing in my pocket, making a racket. People looking at me like, what the fuck is that noise coming from your pocket, man? Get Rufus home and uh, present the pig, and she falls in love with him. And we became pig people. We had pigs. And Rufus um, grew up to be 680 pounds <laughs> and wasn't done growing when he got pneumonia. He got pneumonia. And when pigs get pneumonia, um, bad thing. Because pigs are almost you know, all lung. I mean, lots of lung. <laughs> And, uh, you know, lung lung disease and pneumonia, which is pretty common in pigs because they are all lung. Uh, it's usually fatal. It's usually fatal for them. And so Rufus was sick for an awful long time. He wasn't eating. A pig that doesn't eat is going to die. Pigs need to eat all day long. That's what they do. They were born. Uh, uh, they were created. If uh, there is create intelligent design in in the universe, the purpose of a pig uh, <laughs> is to eat its entire lifetime. As long as it's awake, it should be eating, uh, or it's not happy. So Rufus got pneumonia. And he was sick and he wasn't eating. I I went and found a uh, a vet, a horse vet, because there are no fucking pig vets on Long Island. Uh, so I found a horse vet and I brought him to the house and he go he just he goes, uh, man, I think we're gonna have to put him down. Hold on. And he goes walking out to his truck and I see him going walking towards my barn with a shotgun in his hand. I go, Whoa, <laughs> you're not gonna go shoot my pig. Uh, but he was. He was gonna go shoot my pig. But I stopped him. And he said, well, you know, there's no hope for this pig. He's going to die. He's going to suffer. He said, no, I can't, I, 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 can't, I can't let you shoot my buddy in the head. I love this pig. Uh, <laughs> so I stopped him, but he said, you know, you, he's just going to suffer. I said, well, there's nothing I could do. He said, the only hope you have is to put a heat lamp on him and give him injections every day of this antibiotic, and you're going to have to sit with him and try to force feed him. I did. I, I, uh, I called my job at the time. I was an executive for Cablevision at the time and uh, said, listen, I'm not coming to work for at least a month. <laughs> I got to babysit my pig. I got a pig sit. Uh, and uh, I sat with Rufus and I put the heat lamp on his belly to cure the pneumonia and gave, gave him his shots daily and tried to force feed him. And he wasn't eating. And that went on for like three weeks. And then uh, one morning, 
I went in there with just a little piece of banana. I said, hey, Rue, you want a piece of banana? <clears throat> and he chomped on it. He got so fucking excited that he kept going past the banana and <laughs> almost took my thumb off. Uh, bit my thumb so bad and down and blood was shooting everywhere. <laughs> I'm in pain and I'm dancing around in pain trying to keep the blood uh, from shooting all over the walls and everything. <laughs> Uh, but happy, uh, in pain, but joyful to see Rufus is hungry now. And he's really hungry He's because he hasn't eaten in two months. And he's ready to eat. I run out to make him breakfast. I put this big bowl of pig food and bananas and fruit and all this stuff together. And he's in the room. And meanwhile, I got the thumb wrapped up and all, trying to keep it from bleeding all over the place. And he just, uh, he wants out and he's knocking on the door. And I keep saying, oh, wait a minute, I'm putting your breakfast again. <laughs> And uh, he decided that the door wasn't working for him. So he went and started knocking on the wall. And he walked, shit you not, but 680. He was, at that point, he had lost a lot of weight. He was probably down to about 600 pounds. Uh, but a boar, yeah, a very strong animal. <laughs> and he walked through the wall. <laughs> he, put, he, he put a, a pig-sized hole in the wall to the outside. Now he's outside my house and walking towards his barn. He's going home. <laughs> he's going home to the barn. And so I raced out there and gave him food, and he ate all the food down, uh, you know, like massive bucket of food, and he ate that and wanted more. I was like, wow, he's back. Yes, I cured my pig. See that? You're going to shoot him in the head. And he lived another year, and then he got pneumonia again, and that was uh, that was the end of him. So telling that story, I got really emotional with her. Now, why is that part of a business plan? Well, because she wants to determine what what attributes you loved about that animal. And you start going into all this stuff and remembering a pet that you really loved. I got a little teary-eyed and a little sentimental. I mean, who wouldn't? You wouldn't because you're a cold-hearted motherfucker. <laughs> no, I, I'm kidding. I'm not insulting my uh, listeners, uh, although I probably have in the past without knowing it. Um, anyway, so the whole business coaching thing was like psychotherapy in a way. It, it, up and down and all these uh, word games and shit to kind of get you to look at the truth about what you want to do and why you're not doing it yet. Question coming back to, you know, my business life. What, how do I rate it on a scale of one to 10? And how can it be improved? I mean, obviously, I'm not going to say it's a 10, although I did start out with a 10 as far as I am happy about where it's going. I'm happy about the direction. I'm happy about what I'm doing. I'm happy about the content I've been creating. I think some of it's really good and interesting to me. And that's, uh, what I really uh, am inspired by is, you know, interesting conversations with people that have interesting things to say. By the way, one o'clock today, I have a guy that's going to claim he's going to prove the existence of God uh, to me by Israel being what it is. Surprisingly enough, I'll just a little sidetrack there about that show. 1 p.m. today, it should be an interesting show. And if you're an atheist, you definitely want to. 
uh, tune into this one. If you're a Christian, you might want to tune into this one. If you're uh, of any religion, um, I think you'll find the discussion interesting, whether you come away uh, <laughs> believing his proof of God. And I'm tr- I'm certain. I'm not certain, but I, I strongly believe that his uh, definition of God is going to be the old man in the sky definition. So we're gonna we'll we'll hear, but so but surprisingly enough, the people I I posted a promo a couple of days, and the people that got angriest or you know I people were joking about it, and the atheist people and the comedians and joked about it, and I would expect that, and I go along, and that's why I posted something the other day about uh, God being agnostic; he doesn't care if he exists, he doesn't care if we exist, and so if God made us in his <laughs> in his likeness. He's absolutely an agnostic. He doesn't care about us. We don't care about him. <laughs> doesn't matter. Isn't that true? I don't know anything. I mean, he made us in his image, right? That's what they claim. So if, I, if I'm if i uncertain, he's got to be uncertain because I'm just a mirror image of him. He made me in his image. Whatever. So it should be an interesting program. But the, the people who got angry, two groups got angry surprised the hell out of me because the he say is israel the proof that god exists this this is his um, topic the people that got angry are jews and christians but surprise me there uh the two groups i thought would be oh yeah i'm gung-ho for this one those are the people that got mad the atheists just went along and do what they always do and uh, were a little bit humorous about it and tongue-in-cheek and all that kind of stuff. I think Brett said, uh, wait a minute, God is a Jew? I, I converted to Islam at the wrong time. Uh, but so, but the Christians are mad uh, and the Jews are mad that this guy's going to be on the show today. We'll find out. We'll see what it's all about. Oh, where was I now? Oh, about the podcast and the business coaching thing. I know I go from tangent to tangent here. Um, business coaching. So, what? Uh, what would you like? How would you like to improve it? What? What could be better about the podcast? And I said, well, growing my audience, obviously. If I were to be able to have more, uh, more influence on getting people to think for themselves and not not join a cult of uh, whatever whatever media source or podcast and news, whatever they listen to, just don't want them re- parroting nonsense that they hear somebody who really not qualified to have an opinion, uh, like a, a, a professional opinion in certain things, just spouting nonsense, and then they believe it and, and chant it like it's a mantra for a cult. That's going on, and my mission with the podcast is to put to put an end to that. Now, I'm one really small voice in a sea, a universe of really small voices, and then there are huge voices on top of that. And you know the huge voices I'm talking about. And she, uh, well, who's got the influence that you would love to have? And I said Rogan. She said no, Rogan doesn't show up on the map. I'm like, no, you're out of fucking touch, lady. <laughs> I didn't say that. That was the thought in in my mind. She was naming Oprah 
and Deepak Chopra. I was like, no, you're, you're talking, first of all, spiritual shit. I'm, I don't want to be a spiritual leader. Uh, you know, Deepak Chopra. And in my, my view, uh, Chopra belongs in the, the Bruce Springsteen uh, Hall of Con Man fame. Um, but that's a topic for another day. But she, she was, you know, Rogan doesn't come up on the map of that. You don't know, man. I mean, last week I posted a joke about where this factory has gone two days without Joe Rogan, you know, Dave Chappelle trending. Rogan has trended every day since. <laughs> you know, this, the factory had two days without uh, the accident, but every day since we've had that accident. Joe Rogan is now to the point where, and I shit you not, man, because I follow this shit. Um, every sentence he says, people are saying, Joe Rogan said this, tweeting out, Joe Rogan said this. Everybody get on board. Joe Rogan said this today. I mean, I'd love to have that. In, not a fraction of that influence to say, uh, Matt Napo, <laughs> my dog, says don't listen to anybody else. Think for yourself. That's what I would love to hear people repeating. Think for yourself. Don't let anybody else tell you what to think. Not even me. The only thing I, I should be, I want to tell you what to, what to do is not let anybody else tell you what to think. Think for yourself. That's the only message I have. That's my, own, that's my mantra. Think for yourself and get that out there. Well, how do you go about doing that? So the ugliest, uh, the result of this whole meeting was to look at what I'm doing and how I could actually uh, achieve that influence and step up my game for my business. Uh, I'm just interested. Anybody got any ideas in the chat room about where that might have went? Uh, I'm going to tell you. It's not like, oh, he's going to make us answer the question. I just, I'm curious about... If you have any advice for me, serious advice about how I would grow my influence is in, and just specifically with that one goal, get people to think for themselves. I know it's a mountain. It's a mountain to move because thinking, not thinking for yourself and handing over your thought processes, your ideology, your opinions to somebody else is easy. It's the lazy man's way out. And we are fucking lazy people, man. So what it comes down to, is, and there's the realization that I knew all along, but she definitely helped me get to this, um, turning the idea into a action plan, is I got to finish the fucking book. And what does finishing the book really mean? Well, I have to find uh, disciplined time to write every day until the book gets done and set a time frame for finishing the book, which I, to me, I think I was a little over aggressive and she was pushing the aggressive stuff. I was saying I wanted to be done by Memorial Day because Memorial Day starts the season where I'm out gigging every single day with the band, every day and night. Hopefully this summer we'll go back to normal, to that situation where I'm out gigging, even on a Monday night gigs on a Monday night, gigs straight through the week, you know, sometimes two or three a day, summertime. That's my time to be out playing music. So I want to be finished with the book by May 30th, Memorial Day, or whatever that happens to fall on. She got me to commit to March 4th. <laughs> uh, 
which means four hours or more of writing every single day, which doing three shows a day, I just don't have the time bandwidth to do. So I'm going to have the reality that I'm going to have to commit to is lose one of my shows. I'm excited about this morning show. I'm excited about it because of the email I've gotten from positive email from people. Uh, some of the comments I got and the numbers that are being produced and some of the things people are saying are indicating to me that some of the stuff I'm saying about this think for yourself idea are starting to resonate with people. Uh, they, they're turning away from letting other people tell them what to think and forming, you know, I should go back, back up a little bit. How do you know when people are thinking for themselves? How do you know when, well, you're not, they're, they're expressing opinions. Chad does this well, expresses opinions that are in his own words. It's just that simple. If, because you can tell when somebody's not thinking for themselves, they're saying Joe Rogan says this, and I'm gonna and and so that's it. That's their whole argument. Joe Rogan says, or word for word, what Anderson Cooper or Tucker Carlson or you name them, whatever they said on the evening podcast, or taking their tweet and just retweeting it and saying it exactly like they said it. You know, put it in your own words. Let me hear your own opinion that comes out of your brain, out of your mouth, <laughs> not. And so I'm seeing some of that. I, I am definitely seeing some of that reflected in private messages, emails, even, you know, online posts back and forth to me in public. I'm seeing some of that. So that's that's a good thing. But uh, the reality is I'm going to have to write the book and I'm going to have to give up a show. Now, I'm not sure. If I'm going to give up the one o'clock show or the eight o'clock show, I know I have both booked for the remainder of this year and probably into the first week of January 2022. Surprised that I got all, uh, you know, this time of year booked. I'm thinking holidays, people don't want to be on podcasts, but I guess people have off, time off from whatever they do because of, because of this time of year. And so doing a podcast from home seemed like an easy thing to do. Uh, so I'm booked up, but what do I give up? The one o'clock show or the eight o'clock show? I'm not going to give up the morning show because I just started it and it seems to be doing well and I'm enjoying it, even though I'm not enjoying getting up. I would love to be able to sleep in until 10, like I used to do or 11, sometimes get up at five to one <laughs> for a one o'clock show. Um, that's not going to happen. Uh, so I'm going to stick with the morning show. So I have to lose one of my shows. I'm, I'm torn. I'm torn. It's like, do I roll a dice or, and just or flip a coin? I don't know how I'm going to make this decision, but I have to. At least temporarily till I get the book done. But for me, you have to understand now, um, doing these shows like I do, like I'm addicted. <laughs> I'm addicted. It's like a substance I got to have. And so it's going to be very, uh, it's, I'm going to go through withdrawals just doing one show. And God forbid I start getting some no shows and then don't have a show. It's going to be like very, uh, I'm already uh, 
predetermining the bummer I would have in those situations and how how would I will feel empty if I you know if I did one show a week or two shows a week because of no shows and and because I've canceled one of my shows I would feel like God uh, I miss it I need my drug I need so I'm torn I'm not sure where I'm gonna and I know most of the people in this uh, morning audience are not necessarily tune in at 1 p.m. people but I do have a pretty big um work contingent because it started out being the business edition and I was going to have just pure business guests at one o'clock time at one o'clock eastern where people are getting back from lunch or just taking their lunch break a lot of people eat take their lunch at their desk executives do a lot of them do so I thought well it'd be a good thing to do a business edition and those numbers were really really good uh, when I had pure business guests on, thing I started to get conflated because people, I guess the guests didn't understand the whole concept of business in the day, entertainment at night. So I had entertainers who wanted to come on at one o'clock, and I had business people who wanted to come on at uh, eight o'clock, and the whole thing got conflated. Uh, numbers have have been really good. So she said, "Well, how many?" How many downloads? How many downloads and streams? You know, do the big players get? Well, I said I know Rogan gets about thirty million total a month. That's not per episode. That's total about thirty million streams per month. I don't expect to get anywhere near that in this lifetime. If I could get up to about four million a month uh total downloads, that means every episode because I do way more episodes than he does. At this point, if I can make that all, all add up to four million, uh, um, you know, uh, Craig's asking what type of guest flakes the most. I'm, it's not really one type. Um, I do get, I have had some authors uh, flake on me, um, paranormal people, healers, psychics, believe it or not, have flaked more often than you would think you would think they know they're supposed to be someplace or they that i'm waiting for them they can't feel the fucking vibe <laughs> and then they get here and have to ask my name uh the type of guest i can nail it down to at least one uh, one parameter the type of guest that flakes the most is the one where a, a publicist signed them up and they have not listened to my show and don't know who i am or anything about what i do and those are the people who write to me uh day before, like um, asking for me to give them a list of questions that I'm going to ask them. And I laugh. And, no, let's cancel now. <laughs> I'm not going to give you a list of questions. Why don't we just rehearse our conversation? That's not what conversation's about. You don't get podcasting. Podcasting is not about rehearsed show business. It's not about being perfect and, and having your uh your show rehearsed it's about being true and authentic and uh real being honest being straightforward and uh, it's a little like psychotherapy in itself i mean sometimes you have you have you find out things about yourself that you holy shit i didn't realize that until it came out of my mouth you realize it, but it's just sublimated, sublimated so far down that uh, it takes some, it takes conversation to drag that shit out of you sometimes. 
anyway, uh, those are the people who who flake the most. Uh, where was I? Oh yeah. So I basically I'm gonna have to uh, just axe one of the shows temporarily. I think temporarily, and I'm not sure which one is gonna be, one o'clock or eight o'clock. I know the times here. You know, it's a world podcasting is a worldwide thing, and live streaming. You know, I'm not live. The only reason I do the live streams is because it it gives me a different kind of energy than a pre-recorded show. I've done pre-recorded shows, and it just just the fact that you know you're live gives you a certain working without a net feeling that I think the end result comes out to be more honest and more authentic, which is the, because the numbers on the live streams, I've had, you know, uh, the night Sam talent was supposed to be here and I did, I had to do a show by myself. <laughs> the promo for that must've been really, really good. Cause I had, uh, 1800 people total in all the rooms on the live show. Was this a lot for a live stream? I mean, I'm talking about YouTube and all the Facebook channels and every place it was, 1,800 people. And not, and the guest, what type, of, what type of guest flakes the most? I'm just re- rethinking that. Sam Talent is the guest who flaked the most. <laughs> Sam Talent flaked uh, as much as uh, by himself uh, within a two-week period. <laughs> eight times, nine times within a two-week period. Uh, so, and still hasn't been on since then. I haven't heard from him. I know he's got a new Audible book out, and people should check that out. What is the name of it now? Attaboy. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, so, so, you know, growing those numbers, you know, she's talking about, you know, where you need to be. It's 4 million total. I'm doing more than 4 million now with all three shows. I mean, over the last three weeks, 4 million a month, because I'm averaging now almost 200,000 per episode downloads and streams of the audio stuff. That's per episode. So you take that by uh, three shows a day. Uh, And, you know, coffee is not contributing to those numbers in a huge way. So two, two shows in a little bit uh, a day, 20 times 20, 22, 24, 25 uh, shows a month, uh, you know, times that. Numbers are up there. But that's because I'm doing so many episodes. I'd like to be able to do that. Rogan does, I think, maybe, maybe 10 episodes a month, somewhere, somewhere around that, and does 30 million. That's all. He's getting 300,000. Well, no, what, 3 million? No, whatever the hell he's getting. Yeah, 300,000 per show. No. I don't know. My math stuff, don't make me do math. It's early in the morning. I got to get the calculator out. I don't know what I'm thinking. But, no, I'm never going to reach those numbers. But if I could reach 4 million with a, with a smaller schedule, that would be huge. I'd feel like I was one of the big boys and had some influence. Then. That was the whole point of, man, can't just say stuff anymore. Can't just get a thought out. It takes me more sentences <laughs> to get a simple thought out now than it ever has before in my life. I'm definitely feeling some uh, senior uh, cognitive decline happening already at 62. Hopefully it's not too severe to just fucking freak people out. Anyway, uh, that's, that's that stuff. Um, then last night, 
I go to do a show for the vets, my my beloved vet, my beloved veteran, and most of the veterans I'm going to be playing for now are World War II vets. This is yesterday. I'm told that because I know uh, the the facility I'm going to be performing at has uh, the highest percentage of surviving World War II vets of any veterans facility in the country. And it it has uh, 900 residents, big facility, big, big show. Where and the show is booked in the the large room. And when you, when they say the large room, I'd walk in and uh, it's a room with a stage that's really a Madison Square Garden stage for me with my acoustic guitar. It's a 80 foot wide stage, four feet high. Uh, and the room holds over a thousand people. Uh, there's 900 residents there, but it's built for more than that. And uh, <laughs> we have to entertain former Nazis somehow. <laughs> no, there were there were no former Nazis. You fucking pig! I love you, Carl. Um, <laughs> no, there were not only no no former Nazis. Uh, there were no people. <laughs> there were two guys. Uh, well, it started out with a man and a woman. That was the entire audience. Now, I'm set up on this huge stage in this gigantic room with an acoustic guitar and a microphone. And um, there's two people there. And the, the woman comes up and goes, you can get started anytime you want. I was like, are you going to bring any more people in? It's like... Um, so uh, right, I start playing, and the lady who's there, uh, she has to go to bed. <laughs> so she, they wheeled her out. So now I got one guy. Uh, eventually, another guy came. So there were two, all, all, you know, older, very old men sitting in their wheel, wheelchairs while I played uh, Christmas songs, which I don't necessarily. Good morning, TJ. Uh, and uh, you guys are talking uh, some stuff. I got to get caught, caught up in the uh, chat room. I will in a minute. So I'm playing for two guys, and I'm playing Christmas carols, and I don't put a lot of uh, my heart and soul into Christmas carols. I just can't. I, I try. Jingle Bells, Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Santa Claus is coming to town, Springsteen's version. I didn't get half a billion dollars for it. Um, <laughs> but you know have yourself a merry little christmas is probably my favorite uh christmas song but even that i have to struggle to even put any of my heart and soul into it. it's just not the music i want to be playing but i'm doing it because they they need to hear christmas carols this time of year. they went to sleep <laughs> uh sleeping too so i'm playing an hour for two guys who are basically sleeping in wheelchairs in front of me. And I'm just cracking jokes. The nurse's aide who was, was uh, you know, there on call to make sure uh, nobody has a heart attack or stroke or dies uh, while I'm playing. Uh, she's laughing at my jokes, and that's making it okay. And then when I get done, they both wake up and applaud and tell me how great I was. Really? You must have dreamt me. <laughs> uh, very bizarre show. Uh, but I love playing for the, uh, oh, TJ, good morning. Um, I wanted to say about the, I talked about the, uh, 
the guy that God uh, Israel proves that God exists. He's going to be on at one p.m. today. I don't know why. I, I several people as I guess thought it was going to be on yesterday. It's today. Scheduled always scheduled for today. I don't know why I promoted it a couple of days early because I think I think the subject is fascinating. I guess that's why I did. I thought it would get some response. I mean, it's not the first time I've heard that argument. I haven't heard his argument for it, but I have heard. Uh, Christian ministers say this stuff, but generally what it boils down to, and I don't want to uh, ruin this guy's, and I don't think this is where he's going to go, but generally the argument is the First Testament predictions about Israel uh, prove this, the, the, the New Testament stuff. This is where they usually go with that stuff. I don't know where he's going to go, but I don't think that's going to be his argument. Based on uh, some of the Christians who who read his um, um, bio and came back to me with anger and vitriol and just really angry that I'm even having this guy on my show. Now, I have to say, in my defense, if I'm going to be open-minded and tell people uh, not to prejudge things and think for themselves, and I have psychics and I have ghost hunters and I have every Bigfoot people, I gotta have. I gotta keep the door open to religious people too. And I, he's not the first religious guy I've had. Not first pastor by any means. Um, but so it, I try to. You know, I appreciate everybody's opinions. And, and but when they jump into conclusions about what this guy's going to say or how he's going to say it, and prejudging him and angry at him before he says a word, I have to kind of defend him a little bit and say, let let the man speak before you fucking pull his pants down and rape him <laughs> let him at least say a few words and hear what he has to say and then if you if it makes you angry and here's the other thing my shows are interactive if you really disagree with the guy that much and it just makes you angry you can call in you can uh, ask him questions in the chat room i will pass those questions to him i will pass comments to him uh good or bad they and people know if they're going to be on my show they have to be ready to to defend their beliefs to defend their opinions against some people who might be pretty nasty but if you want that that opportunity is there but I, you know the reaction to that i expected people to be interested in the program because anybody who says they can prove god let's uh, prove god exists i mean wow you mean uh i don't know how many people since since jesus's time two thousand years ago how many people have walked the earth and how many have actually wanted to prove the existence of god now this is the first guy to do it and he's coming on my show <laughs> give me a break man you know, one in uh, 15 billion people, and that, that's probably an over, maybe 10 billion people who uh, walked the earth in the last 2,000 years who set out to prove the existence of God, and you're the guy who's got the proof. And you're going to be on the Mind Dog podcast? This is your first stop in your uh, <laughs> publicity tour? Uh, something doesn't add up there. So we'll, we'll find out. Uh, and I plan on uh, questioning him because first he's got to def define God. That's where it starts, you know. Uh, I don't want to prethink the, the whole thing too much, but he definitely we have to start there, defining what you're talking about as God. And it, once you start, again, I don't want to prethink this, but if if you start with the old man in the sky, I, 
my coffee is going to turn to uh, beer or wine or Irish whiskey pretty quick. <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of patience for the old man in the sky. And he doesn't have any patience for me. He not, he's not really happy with me from what, I've taught, what I understand because I don't remember his name. is John Anderson, John, John Carpenter, something like that. It's like one of he's got a name that is, is common among entertainers, film directors, whatever. John Carpenter or John Anderson, a big time Christian uh, preacher who a lot of other preachers kind of hold up a, in, in that born again circle those preachers kind of have him in the, at the hierarchy he's because he's older and he's he tells them what to think about the bible like joe rogan tells uh, his followers what to think about moon landings so he told me i'm going to hell told me specifically uh i'm going to hell and i brought up to him uh that your faith says you don't have uh, you don't have the d- dominion you don't have the authority to tell me that I'm going to hell. Your faith, your faith claims that you don't have that privilege. That, that And your faith says that Jesus alone has uh, the right to condemn me, uh, not you. And it also says that if you do that, you will burn in hellfire. So nice to meet you, buddy. Let's take the ride together. Uh, you want a carpool? <laughs> Uh, whatever should be interesting program today at 1 p.m. Yeah, I don't have a guest today. Although the the boss told me, I talked to the boss last night. The boss, the boss, the boss, the boss, the boss, and he said he might call him uh, naked, seriously naked. Uh, I told him <laughs> you would only see him from. The <laughs> he sits in his he sits in his studio naked, <laughs> smoking. Smoking joints and smoking cigarettes, like one or the other, constantly. Like, don't you worry about? <laughs> don't you worry about the head of a joint just flipping off and burning your balls? Sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I could never be totally naked and smoking. I just would scare the fuck out of me. I'd be too nervous <laughs> about that. But he might call in today. Maybe not. You know, he, he's the boss is the kind of guy who. Uh, We'll tell you he's going to call in and then not. Plus, he's, a, oddly enough, a little shy on when it comes to public speaking. Um, he did sub for me on the, on the radio show one time, which is uh, the very last show I ever did on radio. Because <laughs> uh, I was at a, a friend's wedding, and uh, he started the show while I was at a wedding. And there's a whole story behind that. Um. Speaking of faith, I'm going to go to the sponsors bit after. It's story time, and I hope you'll stick with me for this story because um, it ties in the two things I was just talking about. First of all, the the show at the vet's place last night where I played for two people. Two. It's really three if you count the old lady that was there for the first song and then wanted to go to bed, but basically two people for an hour. Uh, I played for a smaller crowd than that. But it, this story I'm about to tell you uh, has to do with that. And it also has to do with, a little bit with this idea of spirituality. And now I'm not going to claim that this is proof of God's existence. Uh, not not at all. It's not that. 
but it was a emotionally moving moment, even for a hardcore atheist. It would it would make you go, hmm, that was interesting. The story goes like this. Once upon a time, my dog <laughs> was summoned to play a show at a uh, vet's place. Now, the biggest vet's uh, facility in the United States, Northport uh, VA Center. It's a resort. It's like it's like a, a resort. It's huge. It's uh, 208 buildings, uh, and some of them are. I would call them in in Albuquerque, New Mexico. They would be considered skyscrapers. They're tall buildings, lots of rooms. Uh, not skyscrapers by New York standards, by by any means. But you know, most big most cities in most states, these build some of these buildings would be considered skyscrapers. Now they're all two hundred and twenty seven building facilities on the on the. Uh, property are not sky a lot not that there are some that are smaller but i'm playing in a big place now and uh i get there and i set up and there's one guy one guy in the room and i go out to the nurse i said you know got a show here at three o'clock one guy in the room and he's in a coma seriously in a coma seemed to be sleeping to me and she said oh no he's been in a coma he's been like that for two months he hasn't he hasn't woke, woken up, hasn't spoken a word, hasn't opened his eyes in two months, but he's there in his wheelchair. This is who I'm doing a show for. I'm doing a show. Now, this is not a holiday show. This is my rock and roll uh, review for fans of, and Sinatra and all. I'm doing 40s and 50s music, <laughs> maybe some 60s for a guy in a coma. Guy in a wheelchair in a coma. I know, more people coming down. Oh, I'll make an announcement. There's a show starting now at 3 o'clock in the main room. Everybody get... Nobody comes down. What should I do? I want to start. Start? You, I could have stayed all uh, playing an hour for a guy in a wheelchair in a coma. Okay. So I start. And I'm just thinking, it's getting ridiculous. I'm, I'm, I'm playing. I start dancing. I don't dance. I'm starting dancing around the guy. <laughs> I'm doing all kinds of stuff to try to wake him up, get him out of his coma. I'm like doing my Chuck Berry moves. <laughs> and the nurses are walking by and they're laughing their ass off at me because I'm just like clowning this shit up as much as possible. I'm doing a fucking rock and roll review. For a guy in a coma. 40 minutes goes by, and I'm like, wow, I can't believe I just, I can't believe I did this. I called the agent who booked it, and I said, Carl, I'm playing for a fucking guy in a coma here. Uh, he's unresponsive. He hasn't opened his eyes or spoken a word in two months. It's just silly. He said, uh, uh, do one more song and get the hell out of there. Uh, all right. I'll do one more. What the hell? And we're like, that's going to make a difference. And I thought for a second, I, was like, I don't know what to do. And I had written this song 30 years before called Sweet Forgiveness. The idea of the song is uh, if Jesus is who you say he is, he'll forgive me for not believing. 
and the, the uh, chorus in the line, I know I got a friend in Jesus. They say he died for me, but I pray that he'll forgive me for the times I don't believe. That's the chorus of the song. For some reason, I wanted to play that for the guy. So I started to play that song, and I got to the chorus, and I said, and I got a friend in Jesus. They say he died for me. The man opens his eyes. He looks at the light at the ceiling. He says a couple of words and raises his hand. Now, this is a guy who hasn't moved, uh, hasn't opened his eyes, hasn't spoken a word in uh, two months, two months' time. He opens his eyes, looks directly at the fluorescent lights in the ceiling as I'm singing this line about Jesus, raises his right arm, says a couple of words, and leaves. When I say leaves, I mean leaves. Elvis has left the planet. <laughs> he died. And, uh, whoa, I just sang a guy to death. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, I, I went out to the nest. I said, I think he's dead. <laughs> I think he's dead. She said, let me go check him. And she checked his vitals and she kind of just nodded to me. Whoa, man. I packed up my stuff, got in the elevator, and fucking tears just started flowing down. The emotion of that moment. Now, I'm not saying this is proof of Jesus Christ or any of this stuff, but just the emotion of the moment that the guy obviously heard me, knew what I was singing about, and had his faith uh, questioned, but some way vindicated, I guess. Uh, and so that is the moment to go peacefully to the night. I helped this guy pass, in my view. And to me, it was a profound, really, uh, really moving moment. So anyway, all right. Larry Flint just passed away. Uh, <laughs> well, that's an interesting uh, twist to this, <laughs> to what I'm talking about. Thank you, Rappler, for sharing the news that Larry Flint has passed uh, <laughs> uh but you know that story still today even telling it you don't have to be a believer in any god or religion or any of that stuff for that that story to actually have some emotional impact on you and understand the power of music and why i do what i do with the with the old people because to me, you know, and maybe I'm overstating this, maybe I'm uh, self-aggrandizing this stuff, but I feel like um, it serves a higher purpose to go be able to give back. And whether you are um, a hawk or not, the people who served in the wars uh, are not the politicians. They don't deserve your vitriol. They don't deserve your hatred. They served honorably, uh, maybe not so mindfully, uh, you know, but again, World War II vets, they were out there to fight Hitler. So, I mean, I would probably have went to that war as, as well. I, I'm, I'm certain I would have wanted to stop Hitler. I want, would want to, if I were of age at that 
time in my in in the world and there was this struggle going on and this madman just marching through the world trying to take it over i would have been one of the ones who enlisted for that war but no matter where you where you feel about these people they uh you know and war in generally the vets the people who either were drafted and went against their will or willfully went all deserve our respect and a lot of them end up lonely, forgotten, without any entertainment at all. No, you know, the highlight of their day is getting jello fed to them before they go to sleep at night and then getting their ass wiped in the morning. <laughs> Those are the two highlights of their day. So to be able to bring them some uh, music and to help a guy who has been in a coma for two months make that transition to peace. Highlight of my life. One of the highlights of my life. Glad to share that story with you. I'll be back in a moment. I'm going to play the, uh, the sponsor piece, get myself some fresh coffee, and I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by TrueFire. Do you want to learn guitar or improve your playing? Are you stuck in a rut and unable to take your playing to the next level? TrueFire has your solution. Over 2 million guitar players worldwide learn, practice, and play with TrueFire. Our learning tools and massive library of video lessons will ignite your technical skills, harmonic knowledge, rhythm playing, and soloing chops. TrueFire's educators are the best in the biz, from Grammy Award winners to world-renowned artists. You'll have access to an unparalleled faculty of over 300 top-notch blues, rock, jazz, country, fingerstyle, and acoustic guitar educators. Using our desktop and mobile apps, you'll work with TrueFire's multi-angle video lessons on any device, anytime, anywhere. Integrated learning tools such as video synced tab and notation, slow-mo, looping, practice jam tracks, and many more handy controls accelerate your learning experience. TrueFire style-specific learning paths guide you every step of the way. Use our assessment tools to find your starting point, then follow our lesson recommendations and track your progress as you work through your personalized TrueFire study plan. Progress faster with private one-on-one -on -one instruction, group lessons, multi-track video jams, live streams, song lessons, student forums, TrueFire's Riff magazine, premium jam tracks, and much, much more. With thousands of five-star ratings and reviews from amateur and pro players alike, you'll find yourself in good company with the world's most comprehensive guitar learning platform. Grab your guitar and ignite your musicality. Sign My up free for an all-access trial today. Click the link in the description to find out more.
I love that. Why do I love that? I that's why I love that. And I pressed the wrong buttons here. I really need to get. Um, I've been, you know, I'm a broken record with this, but I, I need to hire an administrative, not an administrative assistant. A, uh, well, I do need that too, but I need a technical producer. <laughs> so pushing the wrong buttons a lot lately. Um, and I've tried to simplify the setup, uh, the studio setup here a little bit, so I don't have to worry about it. You know, hot button stuff, but hot keys. Still press the wrong buttons because it's hard to um, be concentrating on <laughs> talking to an audience and doing the technical crap in the background, making switcher stuff and all that stuff. Uh, it's not usually that bad, but I, you know, and I leave the warts in, in the mistakes in. I don't do any editing. You know, I belong to a lot of podcast groups. People get hung up on editing shit and all this stuff. I feel like the it's not, again, it's not rehearsed television. It's not meant to be polished television, polished radio. It's meant to be delivered warts and all. Um, people need to know that you're not bullshitting them. And the best way to know, let them know you're not bullshitting them is to show your naked ass. <laughs> and I don't mean literally show my naked ass. You don't want to see this. Um, I got a, a YouTube thing, which is really, really, um, I don't know how to explain it. It just, it makes me feel like, what the fuck is, is going on with YouTube? I'm going to show it to you. And not that you, you, the showing you makes it, I don't know. I'm going to show it to you because it's here. Got a, a thing yesterday. This, this is from a show I did. Two years ago, no, not two years ago, a year ago, Adam Lippy, uh, friend, we independent filmmaker, screenwriter, uh, and film critic, former film critic. Well, we were doing Wednesday's uh, movies with that, movie reviews with Adam, Adam and the dog at the movies. And we were reviewing some martial arts films that I wasn't aware of. He always came up with, he, he, you know, as most film critics, they don't want to talk about the Godfather. They don't want to talk about uh, Fort Fairlane, Rock and Roll Detective, my favorite movies. They want to talk about these weird movies that didn't do well, but artistically, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So we, we did a review analysis of these two martial arts films. And all it was was talking about the filmmaking of it. Uh, and we got it got banned from YouTube for spam deceptive practices and scams talking about a movie uh, as a scam deceptive practices i could appeal it i choose not to you know i'll just take it down nobody it's not like it was doing big numbers anyway um i i canceled the series because um Nobody seemed really interested in what Adam had to say about these obscure movies anyway. But it's just, what the hell's going on with YouTube? Uh, what might have triggered that? Now, you, you know, come if you want to consider that, uh, like, if it's akin to those other social media platforms, somebody reporting it, somebody reported that as spam, scam, or deceptive 
material. It's just a review of two fucking martial arts movies that nobody knew about, that nobody ever cared about. And talking about the filmmaking process of it. Did the algorithm pick up on that and say, this is scam material? I, I could have appealed it. I guess maybe I should have appealed it. But here's the thing. They tell you you can appeal with YouTube. But if you do appeal it and they go against you, it's like an extra strike. Oh, just for making us review it. If they go for you and they, they erase it and they apologize, and that's nice. that happened to me once with the uh, Mooney cult lady. Uh, they said that that was dangerous and uh, misinformation and all that stuff. It was basically, a grandmother talking about her experience with the Sun Young Moon uh, cult in a book that she wrote about it. What could be dangerous about her talking about how she got out of a cult? And they, uh, I won that appeal, and they apologized to me. But if I appeal that one and they go against me, it ends up as another strike. So that's the reason not to appeal it and just let it go. It wasn't doing big numbers, as I say, anyway. So uh, a new TikTok DMCA abuse challenge. What is DMCA? I'm sorry if I'm uh, – that's a naive and stupid question, and if I should probably know it being a, a – uh, I guess I'm a YouTuber. I never thought I'd be a YouTuber. What the hell is a D D M C A? Um, trying to figure out what. Too many acronyms in the world now. <laughs> Too many T M A I W. Too many acronyms in the world. <laughs> uh, what else? What else? Does, what's on your mind other than uh, I, I? I see we have not everybody in in the. Uh, various chat rooms are issues with Andy's fans, but I know we have several of them and there. I can see some, some of my uh, friends and uh, fellow issues with Andy fans out there in, in the chat rooms. Um, what do you think about the, how Andy is going to break the news about his results? Well, I'm uh, just curious. Do you think he's going to, he's going to let us know? Ahead of time. I mean, I would. I know. You know I, I'm trying to get into Andy's mindset here. I think he probably doesn't realize how concerned some, some people are. People like me. I think Craig's equally concerned. I, I'm sure most of the people who are fans of his and of the show and everything he does are probably as concerned as I am and want to know. But I don't think he, that occurs to him that how... I hate to, you know, it'll be all uh, wishy, mushy, gushy, sentimental stuff. The guy's loved, and I don't think he understands how loved he is. And people love him. Paul Provenza loves him. I love him. <laughs> uh, snip, it criminalized, oh, uh, it, it criminalized reduction and dissemination of technology devices and services intend to circumvent measures that control access to copyrighted works. Ah. So, but there is a fair use, but and that's not scam or uh, or deceptive material. Now, you know, copyright stuff. I get that all the time. I get copyright infringements for using my own song because my publisher of, of my previous publisher, I'm not with them anymore, but they they forgot to include my YouTube channel in the exceptions. So, anytime I use anything from my old catalog, if I play a song of mine. 
I will get a copyright infringement and then have to remove that song from the uh, the video to enable it being monetized or face a strike. So copyright infringement, they're pretty clear about that. I don't think deceptive and scam is not a copyright. They're saying we were trying to rip people off. We were putting deceptive uh, material out there and trying to uh, scam. You know, scam is. A scam is Bruce Springsteen telling people he's the voice of the working man, taking a check for $500 million and putting it in the bank. <laughs> $500 million. I got $500 billion. Uh, man, $500 billion would be something, wouldn't it? Uh, $500 million, I'll take the check and put it in the bank. That would that would be kind of, and saying you're the, the voice of the working man. I don't know too many working men with $500 million in the bank. I don't know what, what those factories you know, closing down in New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that was, you know, I'm just curious about what's going on. Somebody had to report that as a, a spam, scam, deceptive material. I'm because of the um, algorithm just picked that out. The algorithm needs to be fixed because, again, it's just movie reviews. And there is a fair use policy for things like movie reviews. And further, it's promoting the movie. Promoting a movie that nobody watched anyway. <laughs> uh, it was, we're doing them a favor, letting people know this movie's out there. If you're a martial arts fan, and I don't even remember what it was. That's how insignificant those films were. Um, so you're doing them a favor by putting it out there. Uh, of course... There is the argument to made, be made that once I put sponsorship on a... I don't think I was running sponsorship on the Wednesday night show. But I have to try to remember. Um, but once you put sponsorship on a piece, the fair use stuff kind of becomes uh, mur mur murky, muddled, uh, and can be contested because you're making money off it. So maybe that's not fair use. But I don't think... If memory serves, I haven't done those shows now for a while. Um, I don't think I think I stopped putting advertising on those shows, any sponsorship on those shows because of that. I just wanted to make sure we we maintain that fair use. At least in my senior moment, that's how I'm recollecting things. I think I'm right about that, though. Anyway, wasn't a copyright strike. It was deceptive. Deceptive movie reviews. Uh, we weren't asking anybody to buy anything. We weren't asking anybody for any money. Any of that shit. Deceptive. Scam. Uh, maybe they're saying martial arts weren't real. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to bother me for a while until I figure it out, and I'll probably never figure it out. Um, today at 1 p.m., if you're so inclined, please do join me uh, to find out... Uh, if God really exists, <laughs> uh, you're not going to find that out on my program. But we're going to hear an argument about how the current state of Israel, the nation of Israel, state, is proof that God exists. To God... <laughs> The God of all people, God who created all of us. I don't think he, the idea that he might 
favor one nation above all others. These are the good people. These are the bad people. It doesn't make sense. I'll save this for him. But I'm just curious about any of these ideas. Any because I know a lot of a large contingent of the audience out there is agnostic at best, atheist. Um, don't really care about this, uh, and you, you can't really let it. Maybe you can. I know people again. My wife certainly does. Let it guide your life, uh, your faith, and what you believe, and all that kind of stuff. Let it guide your day to day life. Some some people do, as I mentioned. My wife does. I could never imagine if you have to think about things in those terms. But when you come down to this old man in the sky that created all of us. Father, Father God. But he only likes that one little Rhode Island-sized country in the middle of nowhere. Uh, that's, his, that's his chosen people. I guess that would mean uh, Yahweh, <laughs> Yahweh rhymes with Israel. Does it? <laughs> it's like carpet rhymes with garage. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You're hurting my brain, Rappler. <laughs> Yahweh rhymes with Israel. Um uh, anyway, God the God uh that loves Israel and that's the chosen people. I guess that would mean the three hundred and twenty million people that reside in the USA are fucked when the rapture comes. If if Israel is you know Maybe maybe the pastor doesn't uh, understand that. Well, I'll ask him about that. I won't ask him if we're fucked because that you know the word might hurt his ears. He might throw holy water at me through the screen. But come on, when the rapture happens, and if Israel are the you know the Israelites are the chosen people, and Israel is God's chosen land, the, the promised land, the three hundred and twenty million people that live here. And not even counting, you know, everywhere else in the world, the almost seven billion people that encounter the rest, uh, populate the rest of the world. We're all fucked. Uh, you know, and I've talked, I've talked a lot about leaving the country, but Israel is not the place I'm going to go to. <laughs> I hear there are some places. You know, I used to work with a lot of guys who were from Israel. The entire. The entire company I worked for, the last job that I had that was a, a real job in the real world before I decided never to do that again, uh, was for a company founded by a guy who came here from Israel and brought uh, everybody he knew from Israel over to work in his country, in his company. They all migrated here. Uh, and so the company was about 40 people. And it was, uh, if it was 40 people, it was 39 Israelites and me. And I was a marketing director, and I'm sitting. Uh, this is this is kind of a humorous story. I'm sitting at my desk, uh, which is nobody ever came came near my office, my desk. And I'm playing uh, a YouTube clip. Marketing director goofing off playing YouTube clip of a comedian named Doug Stanhope. Uh, and the clip is called Jews. Now, the bit is called Fuck the Jews. I didn't know that. 
but uh, I kind of had a, uh, you know, you're going to play a Doug Stanhope clip called Jews. You, you can understand it's going to be some controversial <laughs> stuff. Uh, it, I mean, I, I decided to play this clip. And sure enough, it was fuck the Jews. I mean, uh, it's an interesting clip. I, you know, if you should be so inclined to look up uh, Doug Stanhope Jews on YouTube. Uh, very funny. Uh, but I'm playing this clip and fuck the Jews, fuck the Jews. And I look up and again, nobody ever came to my office and my desk. I look up and there's about 12, 15 guys from Israel just looking at me as I'm listening, <laughs> listening to Stanhope riff on fuck the Jews. And I, I, I just look up and they're all looking at me like, and all I want was comedian. <laughs> Well, you're going to turn it off. We have something we want to talk to you about. Uh, I guess, yeah, I should turn it off. Uh, very uh, uncomfortable moment for me. But uh, why I brought them up? Uh, because they told me about life in Israel. Some of them were musicians, and uh, we shared some stories about uh, life in Israel. But in the bomb zone. In a place that's getting bombed all the time. And uh, several of them lived in apartment buildings. <laughs> hey, hey, cat, good morning. Uh, yeah, caught is <laughs> putting it mildly, caught humiliated and assumed to be anti Semitic because they, they, you know, the context was lost. So they just hear this guy ranting about fuck the Jews uh, without any context. And there I am listening to it laughing. <laughs> it made it look like I'm a Jew hater. <laughs> I'm not a Jew hater. I love Jewish women. <laughs> and uh, I have a lot of Jewish friends. I mean, and then that's a typical uh, cop-out statement. I guess I shouldn't even say that. But I, I'm not a Jew hater. I, I live in New York. You can't be a Jew hater <laughs> and live in my world. Uh, you would not survive very long if you, you didn't uh, appreciate everybody where I live. But... Uh, <laughs> um so you know um they told me about life in israel and in the bomb zone and these guys lived in apartment buildings where they had every apartment building had a bomb shelter in it uh that's not the place where i want uh, and this is god's chosen land this is the promised land i'm not moving to israel anytime soon even if with the promise of uh being one of the few who get called up at the rapture no thank you i mean if i have to live in fear every day and have a bomb shelter below my house because we're constantly getting bombed now the upside of the bomb shelter is it made a great recording studio because <laughs> they were all soundproofed and all that kind of stuff in the bottom of uh, apartment building, so uh, the musicians loved it, and some of them were telling me about how uh, how bomb shelters tend to make great recording studios. But and there are parts of Israel that are I don't want to say tropical like, not tropical like, but uh, warm beaches, kind of stuff that is very attractive to me. Almost would be paradise if not for the little bombing shit that goes on. Uh, and, and that kind of stuff. And then uh, the whole political leanings, not leanings, the, the whole political ideology beyond the religious ideology 
uh, of Israel uh, makes it intolerable to me. Uh, they you're very. It's a weird, weird fucking country because in Jewishness, <laughs> Jewishness is a very weird thing for me. The bass player in my band is a Jew, but he's an atheist. You can't be a Christian and an atheist, but you can be a Jew and an atheist. You can't be a Muslim and an atheist. You can be a Jew and an atheist. You can't be a Buddhist and an atheist. You can be a Jew and an atheist. And so Jew is not necessarily about religion. It's about culture and, and heritage, which kind of confuses shit a little bit. You know, Christian is not about, and Muslim and any other religion is not about the culture. It's about the belief. But And again, with my upcoming interview today at 1 p.m. with the pastor who's going to prove that uh, or use Israel to prove the existence of God. God bless him for for, <laughs> for being so ambitious. Uh, yeah, I'm going to prove God exists. Uh, why don't you start with a, you know something a little simpler? Why don't you prove intelligent life uh, exists on planet Earth? Uh, well, no, no, that's not so simple, is it? Anyway, that's a very aggressive uh, uh, plan to kind of prove the existence of God. But this whole idea of the state of Israel, not necessarily, it's a Jewish state, but Jewish not necessarily, you don't have to be a devout person of faith, of any faith, to be a Jew. <laughs> you could have no faith. You could be a, a complete atheist, a complete agnostic. The strangest religion there is. So I... Again, coming back to the idea that this is God's chosen people, a lot of them don't believe in him. So why am I cast out? <laughs> they don't believe in him. Your chosen people don't believe in you. The people you're going to save. They don't, you know, you create this country just for... Thinking what? You create a world full of people. That you want, and you know, because you're omnipotent and can see the future and the past, and there is no time. Everything is um, time is a man-made construct, and God is the beginning, the end, and all of it. So you know, this planet that you just populated with seven—you just did it just for the purpose of what? Wiping them all out, except for this group. Some of them believe in you, and some of them don't. I'm just uh, trying to walk, talk myself through this thing because it's so fucking hard to understand and and israeli riviera yeah well um there are tell i think it's tel aviv uh parts of jerusalem i think i'm not sure uh but on the mediterranean yeah yeah there is uh, a lot of pristine beaches really nice uh and tropical like weather warm weather and, and there's places where uh they have winters like we have winters like new york has winters i don't want to say like we because some of you people are out there in in warm places nice places some are in the middle of the country which are, have different uh experiences of winter than we do here uh you know i'm not sure how how much the climate has changed out there but when i i in new mexico we, we used to have days uh, where it would snow overnight, we'd have a foot of snow, and then by noon, all that snow would be melted, and it would be 70 degrees out, and the sun would be shining. 
Um, that doesn't, that never happens here. Uh, they, yes, they do have balloons in Israel. Uh, <laughs> they have balloons in Israel. I don't think they do them every day like they do in Albuquerque. Uh, uh, but the, yeah, there is, there is some balloonage, balloonage, uh, going on over there. Not, uh, you know, not like you have it. Are the balloons up yet? Craig, I haven't, I haven't been checking Twitter today. Uh, I haven't checked Twitter at all. It, uh, nope, 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 nope. I don't see any balloons up. Um, I haven't gone to your profile page yet. Anyway, uh, no, yeah, they have balloons and, and um, they have everything. They have, you know, I was surprising uh, the culture of the state of Israel, according to the 40 or so guys I worked with at Oryx, <laughs> Oryx Industries, um, the culture, very European, very uh, much like Britain. I mean, a lot of the, the radio stations, these guys were all like, uh, they're my age, so they were Beatles and Stones fans, big time. I'm thinking, like, what is the pop culture over there? It's all uh, Western. It's all very Western. You, uh, you would expect Middle Eastern to have Middle Eastern culture. Not so according to uh, the men and women, mostly men. Uh, almost all men. Maybe two or three women. Uh, from Israel, the culture over there is pretty much... The United States culture, pop culture stuff, same movie, same music, same video games, same all of, all the stuff that we experience. Which I wouldn't think. I would I would be surprised by that. I would, uh, you know, there is traditionally from before the twentieth century a culture of different music for that region, and you would expect. I would expect. I mean, and I was surprised to find out I was wrong. Um, no balloons today? I'm sad. You know how I love balloons. <laughs> I have to go out and get myself a balloon. Uh, why? Why do you think? Oh, because is there bad weather today? Uh, I don't know. By the way, Craig, you, you, uh, Craig Johnson's in the chat room there. I want to ask you a question because you posted a photo last night and said looks pretty what's going on and i wasn't able to tell because it's a nighttime picture and a little bit pixelated wasn't sure if i was looking at snow or not because it was a nighttime picture uh so i just like some clarity about that what's going on looks pretty what's going on picture if you know what i'm talking about uh clue me in uh, we just because the lights look pretty. The, the lights of the city look pretty. I was surprised to see uh, Albuquerque looking pretty at night like that. <laughs> it almost looked like Vegas, uh, but I know it's not. It's not like that. But I wasn't sure if it was snowing there, so I'm wondering if there's a weather issue with keeping the balloons down today. Allergy times kicking in. Maybe I should end the show early because I'm going to have a sneezing fit coming up. Talk myself out of it. No sneezing fit. No sneezing fit. No sneezing fit. Um, that's about it. I mean, I think I've run the course of it. Now, tonight I got some ex-Marine talking about, um, and I wasn't supposed to have it. I, you know, all these publicists know, don't book shows Friday nights. I'm out playing with the band. But for whatever reason, we got canceled uh, for tonight. 
so this guy uh, scheduled a show with me. Uh, and I said, okay, yeah, Friday night, I'll be home anyway. No gigs. Might as well do a show. And a vet was going to talk to me about leadership and all this kind of stuff. More of a business stuff. Uh, it seems like a cut and dry, very dry, uninteresting uh, for a lot of people conversation. But the this guy's approach to it being... I want I want to say an ex-marine who is now turned dove, like Hawk who is who has become a dove but still looks like a hawk. <laughs> <laughs> that that alone makes it an interesting program to me. I mean, how you go from you know, I, if you know anybody in the Marine Corps, my family's Marines. Uh my brother's uh still ura Marine. I'm the only one who's not. Uh, but if you know Marines, they are very gung-ho. It's the only only phrase that comes to mind. Uh, and so how you go from being a gung-ho hawk to a dove should be an interesting conversation. And then develop that philosophy into a leadership program. Leadership is about influence, and that's what I'm interested in anyway. So it will be interesting for me, interesting for me 8 p.m. tonight. Uh, and so that's, that's what I have laid out for me for the rest of today. It's an easy day because I don't have to leave home. Usually, you know, the, the downside of gigging constantly, for me, because every gig is a travel. I mean, there's no... No shows that I do. Even last night's show was uh, a good hour drive, and that hour drive is nothing for me. Um, generally, I drive three hours to a gig and two hours home because there's no traffic late at night after um, after the gigs are over. But it's a lot of you know leaving home to go do a gig is just a pain in the ass. Sometimes it's it's the most. Uh, the only down downside really of playing uh, as much as I do is a lot of driving and I hate driving, especially in New York traffic, Long Island traffic, Nassau County traffic, Nassau County, New York is pretty much the same as driving in Manhattan these days. Uh, just crazy congested houses right on top of each other where, when, you know, I lived in Nassau County for a, a while and the houses are so close that you can hear your neighbor's toilet flush. You can open your window. And like, like in New York City apartments, you could open your window and shake hands with the guy if he opens his window, your neighbor. That's how close houses were. How do you even build houses close that close together? Not the life for me. But so the, the you know, road congestion is just insane over there. Yeah, the traffic and all that stuff. Um, so, you know, driving to the gigs has not, never been fun for me. Anyway, that's uh, that's all I got to offer you folks today. I know I'm short of two hours here. You don't, you won't hold it against me if I end early, will you? I don't know uh, what else to talk about. Uh, oh, Eric Clapton is uh, a dick. <laughs> Again and still and always. It seems like he's going out of his way. To be more of a dick every single day. Um, used to be, and 
still a fan of some of his music his guitar playing what he brought to modern guitar playing as far as his influence on a lot of players and all that kind of stuff uh and some of the let the Derek and the Dominoes Layla album will always be one of my favorite albums, even though they ripped off. Uh, who was it they ripped off? One of the classic, uh, classic singers. Uh, I could I could see a face. Read, not Rita Cool. It's uh, I'll, it will come to me. They uh, the end of Layla is a ripoff of another singer-songwriter's work. I didn't even know that until a couple of years ago, but it's almost verbatim. I mean, it's not one of those questionable copyright infringement things, or uh, it's almost—it's just about as blatant as George Harrison's My Sweet Lord being She's So Fine. Um, it's incredibly similar. I mean, and at least Harrison changed the key. <laughs> Clapton didn't even bother changing the key for uh, the end of Layla, that piano um, thing at the end of Layla. Anyway, big fan of, of that album and was a fan of Clapton's work for the most part up until, you know, whatever he became now. Whatever that, I'm not a fan of his music at this point. Whatever he's putting out now it just seems to be, listen, there are times when you, you it's right to uh, retire and ride off into the sunset. That time for him came 25 years ago, at least. But, you know, the revelation about his so-called racist rant from the 70s, which uh, nobody knew about until it was exposed in Rolling Stone magazine decades later. And of course, there weren't any cell phones to record it. So it, they pass it around like it's a quote. Like, And I don't know what his intent was, but it definitely sounds like it. You got to also understand that at the time he said it, the anti-immigration stuff in the UK in the, in the mid-70s uh, was pretty high. It was like pretty much like the, the chatter about immigrants was as loud as it was in the u.s during the trump administration you know the uh the feeling of anti-immigrant so it basically was an anti-immigrant rant that clapton uh supposedly said while he was fucked up out of his mind on heroin uh and then got quoted years later and people uh shared as if they are sharing direct quotes but there was no tape recording of it we you know we're going by some one person's memory who was there, who kind of jotted down some notes and taking that as direct quotes. That's a dangerous thing. But so there's that racist rant from the 70s and then his anti-vax insanity uh, that he, an anti-coronavirus, uh, just a pro, it's all a hoax that, you know, his political point of view kind of made him a dick on this stuff. He wanted to encourage people uh to avoid any precautions at all when coming to his show. Don't get vaxxed, don't wear a mask, and get as close as possible you can and cough in each other's face, <laughs> was uh, Eric Clapton. No, no, that's an asshole dick, you know. Guy who's just looking to to make a bad situation worse. So Clapton was a dick on, on that. But then yesterday, in my view, what he did was escalate his dickiness 
just a little further. He sued a woman who sold a bootleg copy of one of his concerts, live shows, for 11 bucks on eBay. I'm sure Clapton doesn't have Springsteen money. <laughs> who does? Elon Musk. Uh, but he's, he's not a poor man. He's still got royalties coming in up the wazoo. Uh, I would venture to say he's probably a multi-multi-millionaire suing a woman who sold his disc for 11 bucks. Obviously, she needed that 11 bucks. 11 bucks meant something to her. I could see that you want to protect your work. As, as an artist, you don't want somebody selling bootleg stuff of your work. But a cease and desist stuff would be enough. Suing somebody who, who profited at eleven bucks. I don't know. In my that that trumps pardon the expression, that trumps the dickiness of the racist rant or the anti immigration rant, the anti vax stuff. Or you know, man, Clapton, can you can you give the dickiness a break just a little bit? Can you slack off from trying to prove what a colossal asshole you're becoming in your old age. Just give it a rest for one day. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, he can't. And this is why, uh, a good reason why we should have a mandatory go away age. And I'm getting close to that myself. And I, I don't know who's going to enforce it, but somebody needs to tell me when it's time to shut the fuck up and just go lay down and uh, wait for your jello. <laughs> I'm not a uh, Bill Cosby here uh, promoting Jello. By the way, it's just I've said that long before even Bill Cos the Jello stuff, uh, <laughs> even before Bill Cosby was a spokesman for for Jello. Uh, I, you know, I've always been volunteering in nursing homes, and then Jello was always part of my shtick. Like you were just waiting for Jello, and then lights out. That's what they. If you're in a nursing home, Jello. <laughs> Jello is a highlight of your day, uh, or pudding, or that does you know you live your whole life for that fucking dessert. Once you're in a nursing home, that what's the treat at the end of the day? It's a sad thing, and I'm laughing about it. And I'm smiling about it, but the society we live in is a fucking shame. We're living longer. Nobody wants you know, mom and pop. Uh, that's a burden, man. Can't we put them in a home? You know, it, yeah, we got them all this medical care. We're prolonging their life and then tossing them aside. Somebody else's problem. And so they, they become, uh, I, know, I know I'm fucking a soapbox on a Friday morning. Nobody needs to hear a fucking soapbox, soapbox on a Friday morning. But we toss these people aside to the point where, you know, these are the people who change your diapers, by the way. The people who raised you, and and when you were an infant, you weren't too much of a burden for them. Or some of us were tossed in trash cans, I guess, and were too much of a burden for them. And we certainly had parents who, in my case, <laughs> getting lost at a, a racetrack at three years old and ending up with a Chinese family, which is a story for another day that I'm sure you're just uh, dying to hear. Some of our parents were neglectful in some ways, but not to the way, oh, just give them up and put them in a home. Uh, and that is the not the exception in America or even in Western culture now. It's the rule. Get old, put them in a home. And then your 
the highlight of your life. You basically stay medicated, which is not, you know, I'm not against that. If your goal is to stay medicated, uh, Randy, California. Now that name sounds familiar, but uh, it's early in the morning. Randy, uh, should I Google it and find out or make Rappler tell me what the hell that means? Uh, but the highlight of the day for the, I'm, I'm putting the wrong thing. The highlight of the day for the people in the nursing home is that dessert. Really, that's what they live for. And it's usually jello or pudding. <laughs> Sometimes it's a brownie. Last night it was a brownie for the folks. That was the big celebration. Neither one of them wanted it. <laughs> they didn't want the brownie. Uh, and they didn't want the glass of milk that went along with it. I felt bad. Like you live your whole life about this special treat you're going to get at the end of the day, and it's not the one you want. And you're disappointed. And now you got to wait a whole other day. Hope you survive one more day to get the jello or pudding that you were really hoping for the night before. Uh, Randy, California. Randy, California. The name is definitely familiar. I know it was a pop culture thing, but you know, you know me. I oh, Randy, California. Uh, oh yeah, uh, was an American guitarist, singer, songwriter, and one of the one of the what? One of the original members of the rock group Spirit. Oh, Spirit, and is that the Spirit that sued? Uh, Zeppelin, yeah, right. No, hey Joe, Randy California, Spirit, Randy California. I got, I got a line on you. Uh, truth, uh, guitarist extraordinaire. Why don't I know about him? I mean, I don't know his work. Do I? Being a guitar, a guitar player, you think I should probably know uh, something about if he's a guitarist extraordinaire. Uh, these songs that are in the demo don't seem like anything like really earth-shattering guitar stuff. No, Eddie Van Halen. Randy California's thoughts on Stairway to Heaven. That's what I was interested in. Because I know Zeppelin got accused of, yeah, the song Taurus from Spirit. Huh. I'll have to read that later. But, uh, so Clapton is no Randy California as far as uh, but thank you, Craig. Yeah, I wish I would have stayed in the chat room. I would have known that sooner. Uh, so you're saying he's no Clapton as far as playing. Um, as far as the song list, so I didn't see anything that stood out as memorable guitar parts. But you know, I'm not saying Clapton was a great guitar player. I think he had a lot of influence on a lot of people. I think. Um, the original My Guitar Gently Weeps solo was a very inspirational moment for lead guitar players. I'll put it that way. Uh, the uh, 12 Dreams of Dr. Sardonicus. Wait, let me. I can't read. It's too small. 12 Dreams of Dr. Sardonicus is worth a listen. I will listen to it today. Thank you for the recommendation. Uh, I'll definitely check that out. Uh, and you know what? People are calling him a guitar player extraordinaire. Obviously, he's got some a body of work that is worth listening to. If you know there are articles written about him. Oh, I missed this comment by Chad that I don't understand because it's over my head. Olive branches grafted onto a healthy tree. The Bible accounts for Gentiles. Okay, <laughs> it accounts for them, but according to and I don't, I, again, I don't want to presume this, but 
if if Israel is the chosen land, a chosen in the promised land, and where the cho and the Jews is the chosen people, that would indicate to me he's no Norman Greenbaum. <laughs> Come on, I'm no. I the reason I laugh, I'm laughing now, is because he's no. He's no Randy California. He's no Norman Greenbaum. I I was going through a period of uh, writing songs, guitar songs, that were titles like, I'm no Jeff Beck, but, and, and I wouldn't even call him Jeff Beck, I'd call him Jeff Peck. I'm no Carlos Santeria. Uh, but, and so I was trying to write songs that were influenced by people and then titling them, I'm no, and then screwing up their name my weird sense of humor but there's a couple out there I, you know what i could play one of them uh maybe i'll play one as a uh my outro song on this program today if anybody's interested or, or, or not maybe i won't who knows will i or won't i that is the question uh youtube uh, my channel my channel your channel and then I'm going to look for my song uh, called the Jeff Beck. I'm no Jeff Peck. Oop. No, no. And, oh. Uh, yesterday's program about neurodiversity was pretty interesting. If you check out my one o'clock, it's a pretty interesting show. It wasn't what I was expecting because I thought we were going to talk about her other project, which is Beyond the Cell, uh, where she's... Uh, a, involved in a grant about helping women in who've gone to prison adjust to when they get out of prison back to real life uh civilian life um free life uh so it was about uh but that was what i thought we were going to talk about and we touched on that at the end of the program but most of it was about um neurodiversity and this wide spectrum of Neurological conditions, brain pattern conditions, including Asperger's and AHDA and all that stuff. Uh, and so here it is, Jeff Peck. Uh, I got to get in here and download it to be able to play it. Oh, you motherfucker. I did this. I, I'm trying to talk and do things at the same time, and I never works out right. Maybe I won't do it. Maybe it's just too much work for me. Too much work for my small brain. Now, where was I? Boom, uh, boom, 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 boom. Why? I haven't heard this video in a long time. Uh, ba -ba -ba -ba. Download the motherfucker. There you go. There you go. I guess the boss ain't calling in anyway. Uh, I forgot what I was even talking about. This is why I can't talk and do things at the same time. <laughs> you one created Israel, but they aren't God. Right. But uh, just a, a little bit of a preview. Uh, wait, the UN's not God? Um, just a little bit of a preview of his argument about this. He's going to say that. I don't, I don't want to say what he's going to say. What? In the notes I got, how the Bible predicted the UN would create uh, Israel in the year 1948. According to him, there's a prediction in the Bible of the year and the body that would create, and I don't think it's called the United Nations or UN, uh, 
We'll hear what he has to say, but according to him, the First Testament, the the Old Testament. I won't keep saying First Testament, which it was, but uh, it's called the Old Testament, <laughs> not the First Testament. The Old Testament predicts uh, the UN establishing, according to what we're going to hear today. And I'll question him about this. Uh, oh boy, getting people coming at me with their IT problem. Please help in emergency stuff. I could do that. Uh, Speaking of JB, uh, Tal Wilkenfield, oh, Jeff Beck, uh, great basis for, uh, or greatest basis. I don't, there's no such thing as greatest. Definitely a great player. She's amazing. Uh, there's no such thing. I hate that stuff. You know, Jimi Hendrix, uh, I love his reply. I'm just the best guitarist in this chair. Uh, Dick Cabot asked him if he's the greatest, uh, best guitarist in the world. He said, I'm, I'm just trying to be the best guitarist in this chair. There's no such thing as greatest. I mean, you look at Mike Dawes, you look at Tommy Emmanuel, you, you're tempted to say, uh, wow, they're the greatest um, acoustic guitar players of ever. And then you hear Ken Nishimura, who I played that 25 to 64 clip, where Ken's playing everything on an acoustic guitar in 25 or 64. Now, 25 or 64, the guitar solo is hard enough. The guitar solo in itself, the electric guitar solo in that is a really difficult piece to play. He's playing, he starts out playing the bass line, playing the whole song, starts out with the bass line, then plays the chords all at the same time, the horn parts, the drum part, and the guitar solo. Seamlessly. Amazing. Is he the greatest guitar player in the world until the next guy comes along? So there's never a greatest. There's never a greatest on any instrument. There are people that inspire you to do more, and there are people who make you say, I should give up. Uh, and lots of those, there's lots of those people. I see people every day, even Beck's, you know, uh, yeah, I should say, I'm not to belittle Jeff Beck, but uh, Beck makes me want to give up. And he doesn't, uh, you know, according to the, uh, or, or it aligns with the gymnastics and crazy stuff like Stanley Jordan and, and people who are playing, making the guitar into an orchestra these days. Jeff Beck is not in that group of the, the, just the gymnastic guitar players. <laughs> but his playing still makes me want to give up. And it's, uh, specifically his use of uh, tremolo bars and things like that and how he makes a guitar sing just so special I mean just to be able and this distinctive sound and all that stuff Beck is uh, will always be in my mind one of those inspirational very great players that just makes you either want, inspired to try to get better or just give up and there's lots of those stuff Mike Christensen is a great guitar player. Lots of them. Lots of them. I mean, the thing now is, what's really disheartening heartening is I see four-year-olds on social media every day that run circles around me. I've been playing my whole life. I've been playing since I was five or six years old. Uh, and I see a four-year-old picking up a guitar and just like, whoa. Now that makes me want to give up. Not that there's not a place for what I do. Uh, obviously, I'm bringing joy to a lot of people. But, man, uh, when you see uh, somebody four years old just running circles around you on what you what has supplied me most of my 
living most afforded me most of my living most of my life my craft uh who who have you never heard of nobody's ever oh my christian i just heard of him where did i just oh you said it <laughs> oh uh i i'm sure his, his family has heard of him <laughs> i've never heard of him i have to admit until just now but i will check him out um but i thank you for that anyway i always thank people for uh, turning me on to new music, even if I is in advance because I haven't heard it yet. But I'll take your word that it's pretty good and worth checking out. So um, there's that. But you know, imagine and you know, whatever whatever you do for a living, I assume you're pretty good at it. I assume that you you've put some time into it and become pretty good at at it, even if you weren't when you started. But imagine tuning into social media every day and seeing a four-year-old or a five-year-old doing what you do for a living better than you every single day, (laughs) seeing another four-year-old come along. Uh, It's Malmsteen (laughs) O'Clock. Yeah. uh, Well, Malmsteen is another one of those guys who greatest in the world. You know, they they, think people want to give that title to a, a lot of people, greatest in the world. Uh, I don't know. Oh, bup, 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 bup. You know how I, I've already expressed how I feel about the title Greatest in the World. Now, I'm going to uh, check out today with, uh, that's not it. That's William Montgomery. I don't want that one. As it said, what? Oh, here it is. Yeah, so I'm going to leave you today with, uh, I'm no Jeff Peck, but then who are you? Who, who really is? It's uh, my tribute to, uh, Jeff Beck. That's how I'm going to sign off today. I hope you join me in a couple of hours for the proof of God. Don't you want? Uh, don't you want God to be proven? So join me at one one p.m. today, and feel free to add your comments and questions in the chat room till uh, one o'clock today. I'm going to sign off just a couple minutes early to play. I'm no Jeff Beck, but then again, who is? <laughs>
Anybody who just made it be 